rolling. Welcome to Filmcraft. Actually, I'm gonna move the mic a bit closer to you. You're, you're real quiet right now. Talk again. Welcome to Filmcast. Ah, oh, I'm just kidding. Done on purpose. Okay, so we are back. And this is actually our second episode recording after we backlogged a whole bunch of episodes because we shot a feature. Mm -hmm. And this is the second because we recorded one last week and then we decided it wasn't good enough for you guys. So we threw that out and we're recording this one. <laughs> yeah. So we only want to give you good stuff is what we're trying to say. Yeah, in that episode I think at one point I was talking about grip gear and then you asked me to start naming what the grip gear is for people who didn't know. So for like, I think five minutes of just like naming gear, I was like, so you stand a stand, and a flag is like a flag. It's like in Forrest Gump when he's naming all the shrimp. Yeah. But less interesting. <laughs> so I was like, we can't put this out there. Yeah, that's pretty fair. But yeah, we just shot a feature. Um, we actually wrapped, what, about two months ago, the end of June we wrapped. We did a little bit of reshoots, and yeah, we're well on our way. We think we're going to finish our first cut of the movie tonight, actually. As soon as we end this podcast, we're going to finish that up. Mm-hmm. A previous episode, we talked about how much time you'd have to put in to make your own micro-budget feature. And having talked about that, when we went into film this one, I decided that I was going to keep track of all of my hours to give you guys a really documented and thorough breakdown of it. So we did that. We're going to talk about that. And I also brought this up to Latif. Um, I wanted to have other guests on that had made micro-budget features, so I found this guy out of Vancouver as well, and I messaged him, just said, hey, we're looking for podcast uh, guests, you've done a micro-budget feature, you want to be on it? And he replied with, I made a micro-budget feature once, I'm never going to do it again, not interested. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly why you need to be on the podcast, like that's gold, even if you had a bad experience, people should know about that. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. So we wanted to kind of couple the amount of time that it would take you to make one of these movies with the notion of you're going to learn a lot through your first, your second, any movie you're going to learn a lot. And it's worth it whether you learn a lot and apply it to your next one, whether you learn a lot and decide just, you just want to write or be art department, or if you learn a lot in a way where you're like, I never want to do this again, that's okay too. So I think that's what we're going to tackle today. Yeah, like all the time spent and, and what you're going to gain through all the little things you do before making a film. Yeah, so having said that, Latif, do you never want to do this again? Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good times. Alright, so uh, yeah, let's just jump straight into how many hours were spent. We're going to edit out this next part where I just bring up a document because I'm unprepared for this. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. I don't edit. Latif does. I don't know. Sometimes I leave things in, sometimes I don't. So this is just my total. Latif, I'm pretty sure you have like a, a good estimate of the amount of hours you put in. No. I, I'm going to make estimates. <laughs> but before I tell you how many hours I put in, um, I'll give you a little bit of a time frame. So we shot for eight days over the span of 11 days, meaning that we shot for eight, we had three days off, and it went... We worked two days, then had two days off, worked two days, had two days off, then worked for four days. So thus making 11. Wait, does that add up to 11? Whatever. I'll, I'll just tell you the days anyway. So the first two days, I did 18 hours a day. 
Then we had two days off in which I did 14 hours between those two days on the days off. Next two days we worked, I did 36 hours again. Next day we had off, which was Saturday, I did five hours on the day off. Then we did the, we shot the next four days in which I worked 15 hours, 15 hours, 19 hours, and 17 hours, bringing a total of 157 hours in 11 days. Well, it's definitely on set from start to finish every mm -hmm. day, so we had about 14 hour days. Um, 12. Yeah, 12 to 14. I think we only went short that one day it started raining and we did like, what, 10, 11? Yeah, what was, what was your estimate? 150 something? 157. So if you take the days off out, then it would be 17, 140 hours. Okay, I'm pretty sure I did maybe like 120. Okay. How much did you sleep on the days off? Um, a decent amount. I think the only day I was, I was actually really tired in the morning was when I went to the fair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we woke up a little early, so. But even, that wasn't even that early. It was like nine. Mm -hmm. That's really early for me. Yeah. I'm like, nine? The teeth schedule is awesome. Yeah, it's nice to wake up later. You should have said it's awesome to be me. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the sadness. <laughs> so one thing I will say about if you're scheduling a micro budget is the flow of a work week. So what you want to try and do, it won't always work out schedule-wise, is start your Monday at like what, 8 a.m., then your Tuesday at 10, and then your Wednesday at noon, Thursday at 3, and then Friday you start at 6 and shoot overnight kind of thing. Um, if you need night shots, I would definitely suggest that. You know, it's going to vary movie to movie. Maybe you need all night shots, in which case you're doing what we did on Party Stories and starting at 6 p.m. every day. Yeah. But if you have a mix of day and night, I definitely suggest that. It's the best to kind of keep your bodies in sync. Everyone still gets, hopefully, a decent amount of sleep. Definitely suggest that. Mm -hmm. um, so if, they, if our audience goes to make their own micro-budget, what do you think they're going to learn? Like, first time out of the gate, biggest lessons. I don't think this is, like, across the board, but, like, I think you'll know pretty quickly where you are as a filmmaker, like where you, your skill level is. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting way to see it. Like if you make something for the first time, you'll know after you're done whether it sucks or not. Yep. So it tells you where you are, if anything. Like if you think you're a good filmmaker or if you're not sure or anything, by the time you finish your first feature, you'll know where you stand compared to the rest of the world based on your film. I can vouch for this. And then you'll also really know what you can get away with to make a film. Uh, I think like you really scrape by making your first feature and you're really cutting a lot of corners and kind of cheating your way into making a, making a project, but you'll know by the end of it what you needed and what was worth sacrificing maybe for, for your next project. So. Actually, one of, the, one of the biggest lessons, and we haven't talked about this yet, one of the biggest lessons I learned on this second feature, for like me personally, and I remember thinking this about halfway through shooting, uh, is don't be such a pussy. <laughs> I remember mm. thinking that exact thing, because there was a lot of times, um, not so much party stories, because we were always at my place, but with this new one in guerrilla shooting, like I remember being so timid, and I still am to some degree of like, 
oh man, we can't bring anything. We gotta get out of there as soon as we can. And then you do your first couple of gorilla shoots and it's like, that went pretty smooth. Like a couple of people talking around, you even go up and be like, hey, we're just trying to film a, a movie here. Can you, you know, quiet down for a second? And they'll just sit there and watch you. And as long as you're smart about gorilla shooting, it's actually, I'm gonna eat my words one day, actually not that hard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would say like, don't be afraid to take risks and, you know, definitely don't drive three grip trucks up to a castle that you don't have permission to shoot at and just start setting shit up. Like, you gotta be smart about it, but mm -hmm. yeah, don't be utterly afraid of doing it either. Like, you'd be amazed how much you can get away with by just going somewhere and filming. You just gotta have a good idea of what your game plan is, I think. You don't know where you're gonna shoot. and Scout it first. Yeah. Figure out, like, how many people are safe to bring without drawing too much attention to yourself mm -hmm. and like rehearse the hell out of the scene so you can get in really quickly yeah and how uh, when we were shooting these gorilla style scenes we never really did that many takes eh like we were pretty prepared in terms of performance it was mostly getting there and like doing blocking and finding camera angles right um like for example at the fair uh, any of them really you know we did the yeah the fair and the park and yeah yeah we didn't rehearse that much I think, and actually we didn't rehearse at all, we just went. Now having said that, like, I do think it's important for the audience to know that we had a pretty fortunate circumstance where our two lead actors were actively de helping us develop this movie, so they had been in on this for a while, yeah. yeah, eight months, nine months, so it wasn't like we hired two actors and said, in two days we're going to go shoot this scene, memorize it, like, they knew their characters front and back so there wasn't we eliminated a lot of the guesswork that way i think yeah uh so if you're gonna go out and do this like i said that just falls under the column of being smart but you can do something like this you can pull it off and don't like go into a police station and just start shooting or something stupid like that <laughs> we need a cop scene hey let's just go to the local police station <laughs> they're nice people if anyone has experience doing that, I want to hear your story, please email me. <laughs> That's the most fun thing, though, like trying to get cool shots or film in places where you shouldn't. Yeah, and like I think in, especially in editing the movie that we're doing now, um, it adds a lot of production value yeah. to your movie because, For you sure. know, you pick places that just naturally look beautiful. You have no money to dress something else up that way. So if you can go there and steal that shot, like, it makes your movie look good. Yeah. Or helps. Yeah. I remember talking about, like, the feel and the look of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think a year ago before we even started shooting. Yeah. And it was around the summertime. We're just walking. And then we're like, oh, what if we shot at the fair? It'd be really fun. Yeah. And we then, like, a, a year later... We could do, we should do a whole episode on the fair. Because mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest challenge of this movie. Yeah. Like, there were so many factors that could have went wrong. We spent literally a year planning, not just that shot, like everything, but we put a lot of time and thought into just yeah. that sequence. And the roller coaster was tough. <laughs> yeah, we shot on a roller coaster. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way we did it made it easier and very low-key but uh it also really lends itself to the film so i think we'll uh we'll talk about that yeah, absolutely. yeah. 
Um, yeah, and on the note of where you said uh, you'll really learn what type of filmmaker you are by making a micro-budget, and you'll compare it to like the films you love and everything, the one thing I will say to anyone that does this is don't beat yourself up too much. Like You'll know where you stand in terms of skill and everything, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can be the next Spielberg. If you only have two or four thousand dollars to shoot a movie, it's not going to look like anything really out there that had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So in terms of production value and all that, like, don't beat yourself up too much. Like, when you do your first one, you'll know how you can improve on your next and everything. But always keep in mind you did make this for you know a very low amount of money, but. At the same time, don't ever use that as a crutch. Like if someone yeah. said, I didn't really like your movie, be like, well, we didn't really have any money. It's like, no, you chose to make this movie. You did your best. Don't be ashamed of that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that does fall under the, you'll know where you stand as a filmmaker too. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the, most, uh, the most obvious thing for making your first film that I think most people will, will really have to think about is the writing, like the, the screenwriting and the script and everything becomes apparent once you shoot the film you'll you'll be like oh shit i really have to work on like better story and a tighter script and more realistic dialogue and less boring scenes in my film once you mm -hmm. shoot something you'll know that when once you go to picture like you don't want a scene of some dude sitting and like talking about something that just happened in the scene before yeah but like when you're writing it you don't always think about that especially for a new filmmaker or a new screenwriter um, so I think that's for sure something that that'll uh, pop up. Like, cause like we've even in editing the movie now, like there's a bunch of scenes where I was kind of like, do we need this? And I look at you and you're like, no, nah, I think we could just cut it. Yeah. We just remove it. So it's really just thinking about um, after you shoot something, like what do you really need in the movie? Cause like everything you capture on screen has to be something that um, either is interesting for the viewer or is needed for the story and if it doesn't do either of those things it's pointless to shoot so yeah and on the note of like finding um what should stay in editing too there's going to be times where like we had a scene in this with the barbecue on the beach mm -hmm. like it as itself it's a fine scene there's nothing wrong with it but the scene preceding it and the scene afterwards to throw that in the middle of it just felt super unnatural yeah. and it killed the pace. So you're faced with a question of like, do you take it out? Do you move it? What do you do? And you know, there's that old saying of kill your babies. Mm -hmm. Don't actually go kill babies. We're not talking about that. Or shoot gorillas. Yeah, don't do that either. Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes you gotta let certain things go and in the edit and when you do your first micro budget and you go in to write your second one like you'll be amazed how much your writing will develop and be strengthened by that first one or at least that's what you know, I think happened in the case of our second one um, when we went into edit party stories what was our first cut at like 76 minutes or something like that of the film yeah the assembly uh, I think it was like 60 something no, no, the first assembly, because we ended with 62. Oh, the first cut? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was like 76, 78, something like that? Yeah, it was like an hour and four minutes or something, right? No, that would be 64. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, well, bottom line is we Quick roughly cut out, like, what, a sixth of party stories? Yeah. 
And that was just because you you can't foresee it. You write a script, you think this is really good, you shoot it, and then you're like, parts of this are really dull. And it just comes with the territory of the first thing you ever write. Mm -hmm. And the way script translates to screen, it happens. And don't be afraid to cut it. If you get into the edit, you're like, this it just isn't that good, then kill the scene kind of thing. Yeah. And you'll be, or at least in our circumstance, I think we're rearranging and cutting a lot less in the second one mm -hmm. than we did in party stories. Like a lot of the stuff we're cutting out of the second one is, you know, tiny little scenes where it's like... Yeah, it's literally like the opening of a scene, like, or or the end of a scene a lot of the times, right? Like yeah. Like a little tiny moment, like the, the scene in the living room where well, after they wake up. Yeah, like we cut that, that technically is a whole scene, or the thing in the bathroom, but that you know yeah, it was like twenty yeah. seconds long, right? So there's little things that you just need to lose in terms of pace, right? Yeah. But I don't think we necessarily cut any scene in this movie where it's just like this scene is straight up really bad, yeah. and it should go. Well, we did that in the front, remember? We reshot a little bit. <laughs> we reshot. Tank. Reshot didn't cut. Reshot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we should talk about that a little bit because I think that's an interesting lesson. So one. Well, of I think we can talk a little more specific there because like we're not giving any plot points away. It's just like a character showing up to a party. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, what happened was a character shows up to a party. It's early in the movie. What was it like seven minutes in mm -hmm. or something like that? This the party sequence itself was only what three minutes, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we watched the rough assembly of the movie, we realized the intro to the scene was just boring. You know, the intro was, what, eight, ten seconds long? Yeah. Like, it wasn't much, but it, it's pretty crucial to bleed into that entire scene. Yeah. So all we did was we reshot a little tiny new intro mm -hmm. that's, I think, 15 seconds long? Yeah. And then just put it at the front of it, and it just helped the pace immeasurably. Yeah. So don't be too precious about your stuff. Like, if you... I looked at this scene, and it, was, it reminded me of The Room. Like, as bad as that is to say. And, I, you know, I wrote it, I directed it, and I think you still need to have that foresight of being like, this isn't that good. But we can reshoot this little, you know, 10-second thing, and it'll... Yeah. You know, you take a couple seconds out of the one you you originally shot, and then... It's good. It works now, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just need little, I don't want to say filler material, but for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. you're literally reshooting to fill a gap. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. well, what we had there before was literally people saying hello to each other, and then there's a conversation that happens on the couch, but mm -hmm. you didn't like how that one went. So That was a little dull. You rewrote that scene, and we put a new version of the same conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, between the characters and then the intro was before he arrives at the party mm -hmm. um, instead of a scene of him just walking through the party saying hello uh, to one person um, and we just spliced that in uh, so um, it was a very small tiny adjustment but I think uh, just because of the size of the scene like we had a lot of actors and stuff we had to kind of rejig how we shot it too but yeah and it's crazy how for something that's say three minutes you can reshoot 10 20 seconds and it livens up the other two minutes and 40 seconds immeasurably mm -hmm. you know like 
if you don't have these crucial little uh, not transitions but introductions and have them in have them in an interesting way then mm -hmm. no matter how interesting the rest of the scene is it just kind of falls a little flat and yeah. once you splice in those little things that we reshot it you know just works mm -hmm. how do you know when to reshoot I guess for something as tiny as that uh, I, I feel like Definitely, before you think about reshooting, you should have gone through a cut of your film and really like looked at everything. And if you're sure that there's something that you need or something that needs to be adjusted, uh, that's the point when you know when you'll know when you're done, like seeing a, at least a kind of compiled version of your movie. And I think with uh, a lot of times with reshoots, like. People are looking to get shots that they might have missed on production, like really simple things. Just um, an angle or something? Yeah, and, and those are things you can think about like when you get to your next version like next feature film, like how do you like if you want to transition from one scene to the other, how do you go into the scene? Um, uh, are there inserts you need, like tight shots of any props or items or any because you can like go into a scene uh, on a close up of an item. And then go wider into the room. Like that's mm. a way to transition into a new scene as well. Um, or you can start with a wide shot and go in uh, on the actors in a close-up. So um, you just have to think about how you're going to go from scene to scene. I think that's a, uh, a lot of the time what people will pick up in reshoots. So um, if your if your film just feels like you're moving from like similar size shots um, and it's not a stylistic choice, a lot of times it'll very boring to watch because we're not seeing any dynamics in the camera angles or, or compositions and I think you know for sure um, when we did our reshoots we ended up getting some kind of b-roll wide yeah. shots of things just so we could like thread scenes together a little more yeah. neatly. And you hear about that all the time too I remember like uh, The Shape of Water Del Toro mm -hmm. won Best Picture last year he was talking about I think it was two weeks before they premiered at like Telluride or whatnot, mm. he was watching the movie and he's like, I need inserts uh, for this, this, and this. And he's like, you don't have to go out and they didn't have to build their stage again or whatnot. He just built a little three foot by three foot black box and filmed the inserts in his living room. Mm -hmm. So the good news is if you have to go out and get these really tight shots, then it's not a huge production. You can film it reasonably almost anywhere. You know, you like... Mm -hmm. If you have the same color hands as the actor, and you can fake your hand as their hand, just go out and shoot it with a background that looks similar, and odds are you're going to be able to fake it. Um, yeah. So in terms of reshoots, like that's the good news with it. And I will say one other note for reshoots: when you wrap your production, tell your actors don't make any major changes to your appearance in the next couple of months until I know if I need reshoots or not. Now, you won't always be able to do that. Sometimes people have commitments, like they gotta, you know, shave their head for whatever role or something. Or like, you know, grow a mustache for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you can't shave the mustache, but, it, you know, what are they gonna do? Like visual effects remove it or something? You can't do that. No. You know, you never know, maybe it happened. <laughs> Maybe it happened. <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, uh, tell your actors, like, hey, 
you know, we're gonna go through a cut and just please don't change your appearance because if we need anything, you know, we can't have you looking radically different. Yeah. So going back to the original topic, um, have you ever personally met anyone that was like, you know, I tried filmmaking and I just hated it and I don't want to do it again? I haven't met anyone who just outright hated filmmaking. Mm. It's very fun. It is fun. <laughs> you should try it sometimes. Actors. Uh, I say actors. Uh, <laughs> but I've met people who've, like, attempted it and either just didn't have what it it takes to make it an industry or they're still not really sure like what they're supposed to be doing in the industry like I've met a lot of people that are kind of floating around but they don't really know um, what their position is in the film industry but they kind of want to be involved in it um, but definitely I know a lot of people who hate like certain parts of filmmaking process mm. you know, production, post-production some people hate writing but they know they have to do it yeah. Stuff like that. And I think like that's that's an important thing to take away from your first feature or short, like just your first whatever project you do. It's okay if you don't love an aspect of it. Like if you write and direct something and you're like, man, I really hated directing. Like, mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up. You don't have to quit the game. But if you're like, I love that writing process, then you know, write a bunch of stuff and go out and find a director like and say, hey man, you want to direct some of my stuff? I'm sure you'll be able to find someone. Um, if you really love at least one aspect of it, it's okay just to focus on that. And on the note of, if you do make something and you hate the entire thing, it's okay to walk away too. Mm -hmm. Like you'll find something you love eventually. I walked, I did music for was in a band for almost five years and we really really tried to make it professionally it didn't turn out and I walked away from that and now you know I've found movies which I'm super digging mm -hmm. so you know if you walk away from a passion don't or don't be afraid to walk away from it if you really aren't enjoying it don't say you know I'm afraid that someone will look at me like I'm a failure. It doesn't matter. If you don't like it, don't do it. And if you do like it, or you like an aspect, keep pursuing that. Yeah. I think like the, one of the most common things is there will be people who come into the industry that want to be directors, but they'll never make anything. Yeah. Like, you have to make films, um, even on, like, really low budgets and... You know, I recommend even making one-minute short films. I know it's really small, but try to write something that that requires minimal dialogue, maybe one actor and very small set. Maybe it happens in a house or something. And try to make a film in one minute um, that you directed, if you want to be a director. I mean, even if you don't, I think you should try. Um, but just having that already will push you in the direction of like, I think I can do this, I have a knack for it, and can you tell an interesting story in a minute um, that people are like, hey, this is really cool, I like this, and then just go from there. Um, a lot of the times, like, uh, especially for like um, newer directors, they, if you aren't like a technical director and you don't have like camera experience and you know how to do all that stuff, um, you'll probably have to hire a cinematographer to work with. Yep. Save a little money. Find someone who's got like a decent camera and find an actor friend you know and try to make something 
and uh, see what comes out of it. Would you suggest for the first time out they they do that, or would you say like go make five one minute shorts on your phone and then do the one a bit more stepped up where you hire a cinematographer and whatnot? Uh, if you have a camera, like if you have a DSLR camera or something, um, or or if you know how to use a camera but you just don't have one, go to a rental house and rent a camera for like a half day. I think they do stuff like that. Yeah, it costs you like 80 bucks or something? Yeah, there's, there's a rental house in Vancouver that does half day rentals. I think if you return it within four hours, it's only a half day price. So say there's a, you know, like a Sony A7S camera, the one we use at the fair. Mm. Great little camera. Yeah, you could probably get that for like 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. for four hours get an actor it's a great looking camera go shoot something yeah and uh use I mean, the sun as your light you'll, you'll need some microphones too but mm. you know, if you have dialogue yeah if, if you don't have dialogue then you can kind of save it and use sound design later on but try to make a film yeah just attempt it even if you're a little afraid and you don't really know what you're doing I think you should like at some point like try to try to learn how to craft a film on your own um even in the beginning because you know eventually you'll have to hire a crew and have people to collaborate with but i think just knowing on a personal level like if you've got what it takes to at least make something is a good exercise for you to try yeah and i think like if you do that it'll introduce you to how much work you need for a feature too like where i say you know we did 157 hours in eight days of shooting 11 days of production it's not a small feat and that's just production we worked on this for 13 months before we went to camera yeah and you know granted production is the heaviest um workload especially because you're gonna if you're doing a micro budget your odds are if you're shooting in a block of like a week or two weeks you're gonna take that week off work so every second you have is dedicated to it whereas Mm -hmm. you know pre-production you're still working full-time and whatnot when in that does suck in its own right because it's kind of like working two full-time jobs yeah but yeah like you'll really learn how much is going to be needed from you and if you're willing to and if you can give that and that's one of the biggest things i think like mm-hmm. it's okay if you don't want to work 157 hours in two weeks not many people do right yeah but if you if you want to do it and the passion's fueling you, go do it and find out if you love it or not. And odds are you'll love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Some people like really hate certain parts of it. Mm-hmm. I know. The hurry up and wait nature. Yeah, I know a lot of directors who love to edit. They love being in the editing room. Mm-hmm. I think Scorsese hates production. For really? Yeah. I think he enjoys editing. Yeah, I could picture that. Uh, yeah, but like you know, figure out what what uh, what you really like and try to do more of that. But give everything a shot and see see what works for you. Just do it. Mm, Nike. Don't sue us. All right. So yeah, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up this week. Unless you got anything else to add. Oh, I wanted to make a suggestion for any viewers out there who wanted to make a, fil- a film. Uh, What's that? To make a film. From the perspective of Spider-Man, no gorilla, <laughs> and the gorilla is Harambe, but you see him from like a baby, and then you just see him grow up and 
see like what his life was like and the movie ends with him getting shot why that i think it would be really sad yeah no shit <laughs> and then the sequel will be how the kid grows up the kid who fell in that uh zoo entrapment oh and he gets like body mods to become harambe so he can live again wait what yeah <laughs> like you know that south park where um what is it, Stan, Kyle's dad finds out that he always wanted to secretly be a dolphin, so he gets all the plastic surgery to become a dolphin. The kid can do that, but with a wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the direction I was going in. Wait, you weren't thinking that too? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's definitely something you can try. That's a version of the film. Haram back. <laughs> with a vengeance. <laughs> Could you imagine? He gets all the body mods to become Harambe and he goes and tracks down the guy that killed Harambe and like beats him to death. <laughs> you mean the, the guy who actually shot him? Yeah. But he shot him to save the kid. I know, that's like what makes it so interesting. Hmm. Be like, I tried to save you. And he'll but be you like, oh, no! And pummel him. <laughs> mm, Pippa. <laughs> it's a podcast hosting service. P-I-P-P-A.io We've pimped them out a bunch of times. We still use them. They're great. Check them out. Low rates. They'll treat you nice. Mm. Pippa.io Until next week. Phone crap. Nike.